Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Ahamsho Ghayam Stad Vidwan Stribhi Parivrito Gata Gitvavishvastrijasthan me helanam shepur ojasa Yahitvam sudratham ashu nashta sri krita helanaha Narada Muni continued Being invited to that festival, I also joined and surrounded by women, I began musically singing the glories of the demigods. Because of this, the prajapatis, the great demigods in charge of the affairs of the universe, forcefully cursed me with these words. Because you have committed an offense, may you immediately become a shudra, devoid of beauty. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. As far as kirtan is concerned, the the shastras say, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu. One should chant the glories of the Supreme Lord and the holy name of the Supreme Lord. This is clearly stated. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu. One should chant about and glorify Lord Vishnu, not any demigod. Unfortunately, there are foolish persons who invent some process of kirtan on the basis of a demigod's name. This is an offense. Kirtan means glorifying the Supreme Lord, not any demigod. Sometimes people invent Kali Kirtan or Shiva Kirtan. And even big sannyasis in the Mayavad school say that one may chant any name and still get the same result. But here we find that millions and millions of years ago, when Narada Muni was a Gandharva, he neglected the order to glorify the Lord. And being mad in the association of women, he began to chant otherwise. Thus he was cursed to become a Sudra. His first offense was that he went to join the Sankirtan party in the company of lusty women. And another offense was that he considered ordinary songs like cinema songs and other such songs to be equal to Sankirtan. For this offense, he was punished by, with becoming a Shudra. We are continuing this beautiful story, which is a narration of Narada Muni of how he came to the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Generally, for a conditioned soul to come to Krishna Consciousness, the Supreme Lord, seeing the sincerity in that person's heart, gradually creates turns of events within that person's life that brings that 
aspiring devotee to the lotus feet of the Lord. And in the lives of the great souls, sometimes under the, the Supreme Lord casts them under the influence of Yoga Maya to appear to be conditioned souls, just to show, ah, by their transcendental example, how all classes of men coming from all uh, levels of society can become perfect in devotional service. Therefore, these wonderful stories are most purifying and educating for all sincere seekers of the truth. Generally, in our life, turns of events take place, and we cannot understand why. Most of us who have come to Krishna consciousness, we were basically very ignorant in our previous days of life. And so many series of events, sorrows, catastrophes, bewilderments, uh, successes, uh, they came and went. And we really did not know what was happening or why. But after we come to the lotus feet of the spiritual master in Lord Sri Krishna, and we look back, we could see how everything in our life was very, very uh, carefully orchestrated by the Supreme Lord Sri Krishna to ultimately bring us to the point of associating with the devotees, approaching a bona fide spiritual master, and surrendering to Sri Krishna. How it is happening, we do not know. I remember in my own life, right here in Bombay, I was sincerely seeking out a spiritual master and a spiritual path. In the process, I came all the way from Gaya to Bombay just to take a Buddhist meditation course. I had no other reason for being here. The 10-day course ended, and there was a 10-day break between the next 10-day course. So during that 10-day break, the first day, I left the ashram. And I happened to be walking. First time I ever walked in the city of Bombay. And I came upon a large billboard advertising a Hare Krishna festival. And I asked, where is this place, Cross Maidan? And someone said, it is just right here. You just turn right and you go straight. So I walked a few minutes. And there it was, the first day of the Pandal. The first Pandal ever performed by Prabhupada in the Hare Krishna movement in India. Actually, in the history of the, of the movement. It was the first Pandal program. It was the first day...
And that evening, Prabhupada was speaking. How was it that Krishna led me to the feet of my Guru Maharaj? I do not understand these things. And it just so happened that the program was for 10 days. Of course, the seed was planted in my heart. I did not understand that Prabhupada was my guru. I thought he was another great saint, but there was something very special. And the seed was very deeply planted in my heart, hearing from him morning and evening for 10 days, sitting at his lotus feet, touching his feet, getting the dust upon my head. I was thinking he is another great sadhu. After that, I went to the Himalayas. Then I went to Nepal to live at the Himalayas with other yogis, that bank of the Ganges. And then there was a festival at Amarnath, a big pilgrimage that takes place every summer. So I was on a third-class train going to Amarnath. I was just thinking, I will go worship Lord Shiva in Amarnath. And at one station, that there was a large mass of sadhus. So I was thinking, so many sadhus. And I was curious, what is happening? So I got off just to ask, why are there so many sadhus here? And then the train left without me. I was thinking, oh my God, now I have to wait till the next train comes in one or two days. Well, while I'm here, I should find out where I am and what all these people are doing here. So I asked one sadhu, where am I? They said, this, this, no, I asked them, what is the occasion that there are so many sadhus here? They said, today is Janmastami, Lord Krishna's birthday. I said, well, where am I? They said, this is Mathura, Krishna's birthplace. So then they took me to Krishna's birthplace. I did not know what was happening. I had no intention. And then after being in Mathura, they told me, Vrindavan is the place where Krishna had his Leela. You should go there. It is a very charming place. So I started walking to Vrindavan after the Janmastami celebration and at the uh, Janmastan and Dwarkadish Mandir at midnight. So then I went to Vrindavan and I decided I will stay here for four days, five days. Five days, then I will go on to Amarnath. I will have just enough time to make the pilgrimage. So after living in Vrindavan for four days, the next day I was ready to leave. In the early morning, I was going to get up, go to Mathura, get the train. And what happened is the next morning, I could not stand up because I had typhoid fever. I could not leave Vrindavan. Although I wanted so bad to leave Vrindavan, I could not leave Vrindavan. I was so sick, I could not leave for, I could not travel for two months. And by the time I got better, I, I was a devotee. You know what happens when you live in Vrindavan for two months, huh? You become Krishna conscious. So then I decided I'm just going to stay in Vrindavan for the rest of my life. And I was thinking, uh, 
but I have to find a guru. So I was going to the different Babaji's, the different missions, visiting the different gurus and sadhus, living in Gaudiya Math, Dimbarka Sampradaya, Ramanuj Sampradaya, Char Sampradaya, just meeting all these people. And one day I was praying to Radharani, please guide me. Here I'm living like a Brijbasi, sleeping on Jamuna, but according to the Shastra, and in my heart, I know I need a guru, so I was praying. And while I was praying, all of a sudden, I see a big bus come by. Ah. And I see all these Hare Krishna devotees in the bus, about 20. And then a car drives by, and Prabhupada's in the car. So, I went to visit Prabhupada. And after seeing, sitting at his lotus feet in Vrindavan, I could understand what my mission in life was to be. So I had nothing to do with any of these things. While it was happening, I did not know what was going on. But now, after attaining the shelter of the lotus feet, by the causeless mercy of our Guru Maharaj, ah, we can look back and see how Krishna arranged disease, um, disappointment, longings, uh, traveling here and there, missing trains, how he arranged everything just to bring me to the point of having the opportunity to be his devotee. You see, no one comes to the lotus feet of the spiritual master without the mercy of Krishna. You cannot find your spiritual master. It is said, Brahmanda Brahmite Kona Bhagyavan Jiva Guru Krishna Prasadi by Bhakti Latavija. Which means that after wandering in this material universe for just countless births, when one is most fortunate, one comes in contact with the bona fide spiritual master. And the spiritual master plants the seed of devotion in your heart. By the mercy of Krishna, one gets Guru. And by the mercy of Guru, one gets Krishna. Ishwara sarva bhutanam hridesherjanatishtati brahmayan sarva bhutanam yantra rudani maya. Krishna is in the heart of every living being, and he is directing everyone's wanderings. He is directing you from within your heart. And only by his direction and by his causeless mercy. Can you meet the great sadhus, his pure devotees? And that is the greatest gift, that is the ultimate benediction given by God. And how wonderful it is that Krishna puts his devotees through so many lessons in life to bring them to the point of accepting the shelter of the lotus feet of his pure. In the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, we read about the Brahman from Avantadesh. It is described there uh, that this Brahman was a very wealthy landowner, a very materialistic businessman. But one day, thieves came and stole all of his property and all of his wealth. And in a complete state of poverty, even his own family members rejected him because he could no longer provide for their sense gratification. And he was in complete anxiety. 
you know, as brahmacharis, you do not know what it's like to really be attached to material wealth and prestige and family life. But it is such a hard knot in the heart that it's just unimaginable how much pain and anxiety when those things are separated from our existence. So this Brahmin, he was practically dead in anxiety, just laying on the ground crying. He was in a critical state of lamentation and distress. He had lost his family, he had lost his wealth, he had lost his prestige, he had nothing, he had nothing else in life. It is a pain worse than death. And in that condition, he remembered the Paramatma in his heart. And he surrendered to the Paramatma in his heart. And he became a pure devotee of the Lord. Such a great pure devotee of the Lord that even God himself in the form of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would regularly recite his beautiful prayers of devotion to Sri Krishna. So how Krishna puts his, devo how Krishna puts his children in very, very perfect conditions to bring us to the point of surrender. And factually, we should know that whatever position we are in, we have the opportunity to surrender. It's Krishna's perfect plan that we surrender. The question is whether we take it or not. Here we see in the condition of Narada Muni, he's describing in his previous life, he was a beautiful Gandharva. A Gandharva means he had beautiful bodily features, he had a very strong, healthy body, he was um, very, very wealthy, long life. Do you know what it is like to be a Gandharva? Such incredible opportunity to enjoy this world. A human being cannot even begin to comprehend the quantity and quality of enjoyment that is available for a Gandharva. The Gandharva are expert at everything they do. They are expert at fighting. They are expert at music. They are expert at dance. They are very, very learned. Their consorts are the Apsaras who are the most beautiful heavenly damsels in all of the cosmic creation. Huh? In Gandharva Loka, there's no question of poverty. There's only wealth, riches, and opulence. It's simply a comfortable life of song and dance. Huh? And they're also all devotees of the Lord. But generally, they're not very austere devotees. They're devotees who like to enjoy but they're thankful of Krishna for all the sense enjoyment that they have. So he was in such an exalted position. But he committed an offense. He actually did commit an offense. Of course, we understand such great souls. This is under the influence of Yoga Maya, just to teach us lesson. But still, the example is there for us to learn. He committed the offense, Prabhupada is explaining, 
that he was considering the names of the demigods to be equal to the name of Vishnu. And he was chanting kirtans to the demigods rather than to the Supreme Lord of the heart. And because of this, the prajapatis, seeing that he was not only doing this, but he was also whimsically engaging in kirtan. He was dancing with women instead of dancing with the uh, other Gandharvas, he was dancing with the women. Because after all, when you're very beautiful like this, you have all facilities to enjoy illicit activities. Although he was not engaging directly in illicit activities, he was taking advantage of his position, and he was dancing with women, and he was chanting the names of the demigods which means his heart was full of material desires. And because of this, the Prajapatis, they cursed him. They cursed him to become a Sudra, which means he lost all his bodily beauty, he lost all of his wealth, he lost his big, strong, healthy body, which, was, which had a lifespan of millions of years, He lost all of his fame and distinction. A sudra does not have, does not have nice-looking bodily features. He has a very short life. He's not very expert at anything. He's looked upon as being the lowest in society. Huh? Can you imagine what a blow that must have been? from a Gandharva in the heavenly planets to a Sudra on earth, living in the jungles. Sometimes we think, why is Krishna doing this to me? He took away all his distinction, all his wealth, all his beauty, all of his physical health, everything he took away. But in the body of a Sudra, in that completely fallen condition, He was very humble because he had nothing to be proud of. Of course, even if you have nothing to be proud of, the nature of the false ego is you still be, you find something. Huh? But it's not as easy. Janmaishwarya sruti bi srubir Kuntis Devi explains that the greatest spiritual disqualifications are a high birth physical beauty, uh, wealth, and a good education. So Narada Muni had all these things in his Gandharva body. And in his Shudra body, he had no wealth, he had no bodily beauty, he had no education, and he had no distinction. So in that situation, you really have to use your imagination to become proud. So he was basically in a very humble condition of life. And in that humble condition of life, in the association of great saints and sages, he could understand their glory. He could understand 
their divine position and he was fully um, aware of how he was so dependent on their mercy in his life. Generally a person who is affluent takes advantage, takes for granted the association of saintly persons. They associate with sadhus either as a fashion, just to show people that they are very religious, or um, just to make sure they're covered on all sides. Huh? Just to make sure that I, I, by my own um, expertise and opulence, I'm making my life something very great, but I do have my limitations, and just to make sure beyond my limitations everything goes all right, I will get the blessings of the sadhus. That is generally the condition of why a rich man approaches a sadhu. But when you approach a sadhu, you should feel that I have nothing, I am no one before God, and here is his representative. One should fall at this, these great souls' feet and hear from them what is the goal of life and how to attain it. So Narada Muni, although uh, he had to experience such a painful downfall. In that downfall, he was perfectly situated to take full shelter of the lotus feet of the great saints, the great devotees of the Lord. And thus, every day he would take the remnants of those great souls and he would render menial service to them and hear their message. This is the process of self-realization. That by hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam regularly and by rendering service to the great souls, then Krishna, who is within our heart, cleanses us of all the impurities and directs us to his lotus feet. So, we should not ever complain when things go wrong in our life. We should never complain when things go wrong in our life. We should never blame this person or that person. We should see that everything is happening by the sweet will of the Lord to give me the perfect opportunity to become his pure devotee. And, ah, it is the reversals in life that are the greatest acts of mercy of God in our life. A foolish devotee, a neophyte devotee, he thanks Krishna when everything is very nice, when, he's being, when everything is going his way, when he's in good health, when people are properly respecting him. He's thinking, oh yes, Krishna, you are very kind upon me. But a really intelligent devotee when he's disrespected, when he's misunderstood, when, he's, when things are being taken away from him, when he's losing everything, uh, when he's being battered and smashed and kicked by the modes of material nature, he thinks, ah, Krishna, very nice gift you are giving me. This is just 
just the opportunity that I've been waiting for to surrender. And in that condition, the devotee takes the opportunity and increases his humble devotion to the Supreme Lord. And this is the qualification of a sincere devotee. One who, even in the most negative conditions of life, can see the divine, merciful hand of Krishna behind the whole scene, seeing that this is just the opportunity I need to become the humble servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna and his devotees. And this is a very glorious lesson that is being illustrated by Krishna through his most magnificent devotee. So Narada Muni, huh, in his Gandharva body, he was a sense enjoyer. And then he came to a body to take away all his sense gratification of a shudra where there was really no sense enjoyment. There was nothing. In that condition, he took shelter of the great souls. And he understood the goal of life. But even throughout his life, he was striving for Krishna consciousness. He never attained it. He never gave up. Even after going through all this, falling from his position, being put in a completely humiliating condition as a shudra, taking shelter of the, the great souls, worshipping their lotus feet, serving them, eating their mahaprasad, you would think, all right, Krishna, I've had enough. Make me a pure devotee. But Krishna did not. He strived, he struggled his whole life. His mother was bitten by a serpent. She was a widow. He had no parents. He was on his own. He was a young boy living in the jungles. Huh? And he was striving for Krishna and Krishna only. Krishna gave him one glimpse. It is explained that after he left home, just wandering through the cities, through the villages, through the towns, through the agricultural fields, uh, through the forests and into the deepest jungles, he was just looking for Krishna everywhere, trying to experience what is the goal of life everywhere. But he could not find it. But the words of the great sages were constantly echoing within his heart and that was keeping him going on and on and on with faith. The words of the great souls give us faith and direction in our life. And then, alas, Narada Muni, after drinking some clear water, he sat in meditation and Vishnu appeared to him. And he was so much captivated by the beauty of this beautiful form. And then Vishnu disappeared. And he was in very great anxiety. And he began to perform the same process of meditation. But Krishna does not appear by any mechanical process. He only appears by his own sweet will when he feels that his devotee is ready to see him. But he could not find that beautiful form again. And then Narayan spoke to him from within the heart that in this life you will never see me again. You must strive and struggle throughout the rest of your life to purify yourself. So this sudra, he began to just strive and struggle to purify his life. He never gave up. 
because of the words of the great souls, he maintained great faith and determination, enthusiasm, and such patience. And he lived his whole life struggling and striving but not finding. And Krishna was so pleased by his sincere endeavor that in, the, in his next birth, he took birth as Lord Brahma in the form of Narada Muni. And Narada Muni never for a second from the time of his birth was not experiencing the divine mercy of Sri Krishna in his life. Never was he not experiencing the sweetness of pure bhakti. And he became the most intimate associate of the Lord. Why? Because his only business was preaching the glories of the Lord throughout the world, throughout the universe, playing upon his veena. Uh, so this is very, very great lesson that we must learn. Unless we adhere very strictly with great faith to the order of our spiritual master, we will not understand what is the uh, what is the mercy of Krishna and how it is coming upon me. Therefore, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur has said, that this verse from the Gita means we must make the order of our Guru our life and soul. There's no access to Krishna outside of the order of the spiritual master. And if we are executing the order of the spiritual master, we should know that whatever comes into our life, we should welcome it with gratitude. And we should see that it is an opportunity for me to purify my consciousness, especially the things that we like the least, especially the things that disturb our minds the most. These are the most special, loving gifts of God. Because in the face of that experience, we have the greatest opportunity to become Krishna conscious if we simply remain fixed in our service. If we remain fixed in our service in a condition of humility. We should always be looking for our own faults. We should never, ever look for the faults in others. In looking for the faults in others, you simply become further incriminated in your own false egos, uh, whims. And thus you become further uh, incriminated in forgetfulness of Krishna. But when we look for our own faults and see how he, this... Krishna is revealing to me my own faults. Krishna is revealing to me my own lack of Krishna consciousness, my own lack of humility, my own lack of faith. By his mercy, then you can uh, take advantage of this glorious situation and, and pray to the Lord for, for help. Pray to the spiritual master for strength. Pray to the Lord for the real humility, which is the only means of overcoming this, this attack in our life. And God helps those who help themselves. 
if we are sincere, if we are prayerful, and if we are determined to remain faithful to our service to the Lord under all circumstances, uh, then Krishna will give you the power, he will give you the strength, he will take you back to Godhood. We should not worry what we have to be dragged through on the process of going back to Godhead. Huh? On the journey from material life to spiritual life, you should know that Krishna will drag, drag you through all various experiences of life. Sometimes he'll drag you through the mud, sometimes he'll put you in a golden chariot. Huh? It's a long road. And what Krishna puts you through to qualify you to become his eternal associate. We have to be perfectly ah, purified to be offered to, the God, to God by our spiritual master. Just like when we offer food to the Lord, ah, ah, we only offer the, the best foods in the mode of goodness. And we don't really offer. We offer to our spiritual master and he offers it to Krishna. <clears throat> so similarly, the spiritual master is very anxious to make each devotee an offering to Krishna. But Krishna is so kind that he helps the spiritual master to make us a worthy offering. And how does he do that? Just like rice. When rice comes out of the crude field, it's just... There's a big shell around it. Nobody can eat it except the animals. You never offer that as Raj Bhog to Lord Krishna. So they take the rice and they beat it and they beat it and they beat it. Huh? Sometimes in India they put it on the road and they just have trucks run over it. Right? And trucks are running over it and people are beating it with sticks and rickshaws are running over it and buffaloes and cows are stepping on it and people are stepping on it. And cars are running over it. Huh? It's not an easy thing. This rice is just getting smashed and brutally beaten by all classes of men, animals, the wind, the sitting in the hot sun all day. Huh? And finally, after all this experience throughout the day, then the husk is broken. And once that husk is completely broken to, to pieces to such an extent that it no longer exists on the rice, then the rice can be offered to Krishna. Hmm? So we have this husk of ahankar or false ego because after all we're coming like out of the dirty ground. We're coming out of a materialistic society. And coming out of the ground we have this very, very hard uh, casing of false ego that's covering our our divine qualities. And therefore Krishna is so kind. The spiritual master is like the farmer that just throws all the rice on the road. Huh? And then Krishna takes it from there and he sends a rickshaw to run over us. And thinking, Who is this rickshaw wala? Who, what right does he have to run me over? I'm a high-class man. Who is this? And then he sends cows to step on us. We're thinking, my God, what is this cow stepping on me? Why? And then buffalo starts, uh, big stampedes of buffaloes, hundreds of them start stepping on you, passing urine on you and stool on you, huh? 
I was thinking, why me? What have I done? I'm just a, I'm just a piece of rice. What have I ever done? And then, huh, he sends ambassadors and Mercedes-Benz and Marutis to run you over. And that hurts. Hurts very bad. And you're thinking, I've had enough. I've had enough. Enough. Take me back. Get me out of here. I want to go back into the ground. And then when you've just had just too much, then one of these big Tata trucks, interstate trucks comes and and just completely smashes you down. And you're just being completely crunched down by these dirty tires. Huh? All right, now I've really had enough. And then the farmer starts beating you with sticks. And after all that, finally, when every last trace of this husk of false ego is completely separated from your existence, then, ah, at that time, Tatwa comes to the marketplace and purchases you puts you on the altar of Radha Gopinath and offers you and then Krishna tastes the sweetness of your qualities of bhakti this is how we this is what we have to go through before we're really eligible to be offered to Krishna so we should accept all experiences in life as the perfect opportunity to help us to advance in Krishna consciousness. And if we always see everything in this light, then there will be no impediments to our spiritual progress. Thank you very much. Yes. It is not fixed. But Krishna is so great, he even knows what is not fixed. You only know what's fixed, but Krishna knows even what is not fixed. You can act any way you like. It is not fixed. But Krishna knows how you'll act. Huh? He'll give you the opportunity to go up or down. And he doesn't interfere with your independent choice. But he knows how you'll act. But he has to give you the chance. Even if he knows you're going to fall down. Huh? But even in falling down, ultimately, that will help you go up. But it's just a longer road. Huh? Just like Narada Muni in his Gandharva body. He made a mistake. He was committing an offense. But even in that, but even the reaction to that, an offense, was the perfect arrangement for him to be Krishna conscious. Hmm? Whether you do the right thing or the wrong thing, 
you're going to get a result. And in either case, you're going to have the perfect opportunity to be Krishna conscious. But you have to, in order to actually become Krishna conscious, you have to give up doing the wrong thing once and for all. Huh? Sometimes if you make a mistake, the result shatters your, your status quo so badly. Huh? Shatters your um, sense of security in this world so badly that it's the perfect opportunity to give up doing, making mistakes. Sometimes you need that. It is, said, it is said experience is the best teacher, but a fool learns by no other way. An intelligent man hears the Shastra, hears from the devotees, understands what is right and what is wrong, follows it, and goes back to Godhead. Another person just, even though he believes it, he just is not willing to do it. Huh? He's not willing to follow. And therefore he has to become smashed brutally by Krishna. Brutally smashed mental, physical, whatever it takes. And in that condition, finally, he comes to the realization, I'm going to stop making these mistakes. I'm going to live according to Guru's order. Astrology can predict according to your karma what you have been through and what you will go through in life. That is a science. But I know one of the greatest astrologers in all of India. He lives in Bangalore. He's a, he's a very genuine astrologer. And when a Vaishnav comes into his room, he frankly tells them first thing, I can tell you according to your guna and karma what is your destiny. But because you're a devotee and you have surrendered to Krishna, nothing I say necessarily will affect your life. Because you're on, you're, you're, when you surrender to Krishna, daivi prakriti. Mahatmanastu mamparata daivi prakriti mashata. You come under the influence of the divine energy. Although you have, due to your past activities, a set um, destiny due to your karma. When you surrender to Krishna, you're no longer under the laws of karma. Krishna can let you go through the reactions of your karma if he likes, and then everything will act just according to your horoscope. Or, Krishna, or he could intervene at any time he wants and separate you from that condition. Huh? Just like our Guru Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, in 1966, he had a very major heart attack. They took him to hospital. Prabhupada said, get me out of this hospital as soon as he came to consciousness. That I can't tolerate these doctors in these hospitals. Let's bring me to the temple. Huh? And, then, and then Prabhupada said, that was my destined moment to die. Huh? He said, but Krishna told me at that time that he has more work for me in his mission. 
So when you become a devotee, uh, Krishna can intervene on your destiny in any way he wants. Even if your destiny is to be prosperous and successful, Krishna can bring complete calamity to your life and take everything away if that's what you need. Huh? And even if you're supposed to be diseased and die young, Krishna can give you a healthy body to preach till old ages if he wants. Huh? But unless we utilize our independence to surrender to Krishna, then we are simply victimized by the results of our previous activities. Are there any other questions? Yes. The system has been created by the divine, but within the system you create your destiny. The divine hand of God has created the laws of karma. And then the divine hand of God has casted you into this material existence by your own sweet will because you wanted to come here. And while you're here, you have choice. If you act sinfully, then your destiny will be to suffer. If you act piously, then your destiny will be to enjoy. Now what we have done in our previous lives is what we are experiencing now. Nothing is unjust. This is the divine arrangement. Everything that comes into our life is what we deserve due to our past activities. And what we are doing now will determine what our future will be. Huh? So in this way, our destiny has been set by our own previous lives and our own life at this time. But if you surrender to Krishna, Krishna says, Sarvadharaman Parityajya Mam Ekam Sharanambraja, then you are no longer um, under the imprisonment of the laws of karma. Then Krishna will simply do whatever he wants to do to help you become a pure devotee. It may appear like karma, he may give you happiness and he may give you distress, which is just like a person who's experiencing happiness and distress by the laws of karma. But it's not because necessarily you deserve it. You may deserve it or you may not deserve it. But you need it. If you've acted sinfully, if Krishna feels that, that the sinful reaction is not good for your spiritual progress, he can take it away. And if you've acted very piously, and Krishna sees that the, the, the opulence and the affluence that you deserve according to your karma is not good for your spiritual life, he will not give it to you. Huh? A karmi, one who is a fruit, of act, a fruit of worker in this world, he gets what he deserves and nothing else. Right? He gets the reactions of his own activities. But a devotee, he gets or she gets what Krishna knows that that devotee needs to make spiritual advancement. Hmm? There is maya shakti, there is maya prakriti, 
and there is Daivi Prakriti. Maya Prakriti is this material nature, which is the three modes of material nature, uh, directed by Maya, where you're simply um, enjoying and suffering the fruits of your actions. That's all that's going on in this material world. But Daivi Prakriti means the divine energy of the Lord, where you're directly under the merciful hand of Krishna's mercy. And he is just orchestrating your life in such a way to give you every opportunity to surrender. But even with those opportunities, he never interferes with your independence. You can accept the opportunity and reject it. Huh? Yes. It is the will of Krishna to give you the best opportunity. How does he give you the opportunity? First, he sends the spiritual master and the great sadhus to speak to you, to give you knowledge. Huh? That is his gift. And then the next gift is he puts you in a predicament of life where you have the opportunity to live according to that knowledge, to apply that knowledge to your life. Hmm? First you hear, and then you're put in just the situation where if you apply what you have learned from your spiritual master, if you adhere to his instruction, uh, you can make such great spiritual advancement. God is very great, and we are very small. Always remember this, and you will never have any difference.